0: Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, reality check radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' afternoon show at 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, reality check radio.
1: This is Reality Check Radio. It's Peter Williams on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, David Seymour is still, without doubt, the cleverest politician in the country. By some distance, he is winding up the lefties and the woke in magnificent style as they continue to take offense at this joke he made last week about the, well, let's face it, the officially useless ministry for Pacific peoples. How anybody can defend a ministry which has done nothing of significance in the entire time of its existence is something I can't figure out. But David Seymour's joke about Guy Fawkes has been so badly misquoted a TV presenter has had to apologise, and the Prime Minister confused himself so much that Seymour was able to get Chris Hipkins in the House to revert to that tired old tactic of saying David Seymour is playing the race card. It is so obvious he is not playing the race card at all. He is quite rightly calling out a government ministry which is just not value for money with millions of taxpayer dollars and is not achieving anything. David Seymour wants the public service to provide worthwhile services in a cost efficient manner. Is there anything wrong with that? God, even the National Party is carrying on like a wet fish in this whole episode too. Christopher Luxon said he didn't agree with Seymour's comments. Dear God, I mean, not only is he bald and boring, but he's also got no sense of humour either. And a potential National List MP, Agnes Lohini, said the comments were insensitive. I mean, it makes you want to scream. Can nobody make a joke anymore? But just remember the root cause of all this, the Ministry for Pacific Peoples is useless and it should be disbanded.
0: You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. It
1: is very much election season in this country. Even if Chris Hipkins says the campaign is not underway yet, it really is. We all know that. And as if there weren't enough already, it looks like we have even more reasons to be concerned with the prospect of a country led by a national party that doesn't really seem to know what it stands for. David Seymour and ACT is making the play for the right and the centre-right in this election campaign, and they're doing it very strongly. It is one of the parties that wants to take racial division out of our society, the other, of course, being New Zealand First, and it's the party that wants to repeal the Zero Carbon Act and use the emissions trading scheme as a way to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Both of those are eminently sensible policies. But the National Party is ruling out completely repealing the Zero Carbon Act, and seems very, very lukewarm about having Parliament define the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. So all Christopher Luxon is proving yet again is that unless Acts put a rocket international, uh, the country is just going to drift along taxing this and racially dividing that and not putting any aspiration and ambition back into the country. Christopher Luxon is absolutely right when he says the country has lost its mojo, but he is just not cut out to be the guy that is going to put any mojo back into the country. The net zero ambition is a case in point. If you really believe that New Zealand reducing its CO2 emissions will make any difference to the world's climate, and frankly, just plain common sense tells you it won't, then we can get to net zero by using the ETS, the Emissions Trading Scheme, and making the major emitters pay for the excess CO2 they emit through buying carbon credits. It's a very simple concept, free of the ideology of the climate zealots at the Climate Change Commission and in the Green Party. As for defining treaty principles, well, frankly, it's about time. I note that Willie Jackson says the principles have been entrenched by top legal experts. Sorry, Willie, legal experts don't make law, they interpret it. Parliament is the supreme lawmaker in this land, and after nearly 50 years... It's about time Parliament took some responsibility for defining the woolliest and most ill-defined phrase in our legislative history, the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. What are they? Our elected representatives should fix the work that judges have been allowed to do for too long. National's attitude to these two issues highlights why, according to Monday night's TV1 poll, only two-thirds of the country support the two major parties. Frankly, I'm surprised
2: it's that high. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. Some of your
1: feedback now, which has come into inbox at realitycheck.radio or via text at 2057. This apropos of nothing from Jim Pottinger, Peter, my national park home of 30 years caught fire. To my horror, the local fire brigade arrived and watched me fight the fire inside my home with a garden hose and extinguishers. This went on for a crazy 47 minutes, fighting it by myself until Fungo and Mananui brigades arrived. Their excuse was they had no supervisor. It's affected both myself... And, my lady, Joy, we feel very betrayed. Wokeness won, common sense lost. Please help, because FENS, Fire and Emergency New Zealand, and the mainstream media won't reply. Jim, I don't know what we can do, but, gee, thanks for bringing this to our attention. That sounds appalling that the local fire brigades would not come and help you because they had no supervisor. (sighs) Yes. This is New Zealand Today, safety first, despite the fact that your house might be burning down. Uh, Regarding the Sam Bailey interview, still plenty of correspondence uh, about this Dr. Sam Bailey that we featured here uh, on a Friday afternoon, what, over a week ago now. If you speak again to Sam Bailey, can you tell her that she and her husband are very brave and admirable for putting ethics first? I utterly love how she didn't turn up to court while it was her Health Practitioners Disciplinary Tribunal Hearing, not specifically a court. I utterly love how she didn't turn up because she didn't care. I just think she's so strong, and if more people stood where their morals were, we might not be in this mess in the first place. Or maybe we would because many people don't have morals. If more people were like her, we would be in a very good place. Thanks again. Thank you, Sophie, for writing to us. Another letter about Sam Bailey. Sam Bailey is one of the few deciding honesty is important... Her circus trial being conducted by the medical system, unquote, is an example of how much control the pharmaceutical companies have. Our current health system is not about health, but sickness. She wasn't invited to defend her position, so any sense of justice was absent. Our so-called health system needs a reboot. A proper investigation into the role Pfizer played in the pandemic will show the government weakness And maybe their contract will finally be seen. Not holding my breath. That's from Kingsley. Kingsley, I'm not holding my breath either for that. And then this from Steve Russell. Re your concern about a shortage of doctors and nurses. A very simple solution is to let jabbed health workers back into the hospitals. My understanding is that when the government lifted the mandates, they left it up to individual employers to set their own rules. Guess who the employers are at the hospitals? The DHBs, of course, which just happen to be run by the government. This seems so patently ridiculous that I'm starting to doubt it myself. Well, the DHBs don't exist anymore, Steve, of course. It's Health New Zealand, but you're right. Health New Zealand, or Te Fatu Ora, is still run by the government. And still, those uh, unvaccinated uh, health workers apparently are still not allowed back in the hospitals. Yes, it is ridiculous. Thank you for your correspondence. We will have more of your
0: feedback later in the show for you. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now.
1: Now how low can the country's media stoop? I'm announcing today, here and now, that I'm officially embarrassed to have worked for TVNZ for nearly 40 years, about three quarters of that time in the newsroom. That's because it's been revealed through questions in Parliament that the government agency EECA, double E-C-A, the Electricity and Energy Conservation Authority, paid TVNZ $300,000 for a package of stories, interviews, and a feature-length documentary leading up to the COP climate conference in Egypt last year. TVNZ, of course, has form on this particular subject in 2019. They were part of this major international news media initiative called Covering Climate Now, led by The Guardian and the Columbia Journalism Review. Even the merest possibility that greenhouse gas emissions might not be causing changes in the world's climate Was never explored. That's despite plenty of eminent scientists ready and willing to debate and discuss the issue with the alarmists, who always seem to decline the offer. But at least TVNZ funded that exercise themselves. This time, it is nothing but pure government propaganda. Interviews on breakfast, articles on the One News website, clips on social media, and a feature length documentary, all paid for by the government without any acknowledgement that it was sponsored content. It is dishonesty masquerading as journalism. It was almost as bad on Stuff, although that's a privately owned company, so it can take money from who it likes and produce whatever content it wants to. It received $200,000 from uh, Ica, but Stuff's credibility and financial position, frankly, is so parlous, not even a series of government-paid-for puff pieces like these can have stuff sink any lower in the believability stakes. TVNZ, though, is publicly owned, and I would have thought has a responsibility to do honest storytelling. But no, they take government money and tell only one side of the story without saying it was government-sponsored content. The reputation of the country's entire media industry has taken a serious battering in the last five years. Nonsense like this will do nothing to improve matters. If I was still part of TVNZ News, you know, I would be cringy. Uh, More feedback, which is coming this time via our Facebook page. You can search for realitycheck.radio. Some comments, again, on the Sam Bailey interview. Uh, Kathleen Dunn writes... They are making an example to scare other doctors and stop others speaking the truth. Can you believe it's 2023 and this still happens to those who go against the narrative? Isn't do no harm their medical oath? Sam Bailey knows it is. Uh, Jennifer writes, the book co-authored by Sam Bailey Virus Mania, how the medical industry continually invents epidemics, making billion-dollar profits at our expense, is an interesting read. Barbara says, I would call it a witch hunt. And Judith Rides, Dr Scott Jensen in the USA is having trouble legally too for speaking out about dishonest protocols in the hospital where he works. And Christine uh, Van Delven-Borden says, they're grasping at straws. Sam is amazing. Yes, lots of support for Sam Bailey and her views expressed here on Reality Check Radio a week and a half or so ago. A few comments to my thoughts regarding Christopher Luxon and his uh, lack of backbone and lack of support for many of his own uh, National Party MPs. Luxon will not be a hard-nosed leader except where appeasement, avoiding tough questions and supporting cults is concerned. Hard-nosed, practical and determined not. Hmm... And a few more quick comments on what you think of Christopher Luxon. John Duggan says, Either Luxon is afraid to be himself or his personality is deficient. Jacques Debert says, He is not a hard-nosed anything. National is adrift, it seems. And somebody who writes as Nigel Nobody says, Agree, this is a very good example of Christopher Luxon being a poor leader. He needs to toughen up if he wants to survive. Well, Nigel... After October the 14th, I think you're going to find that Christopher Luxon will be our Prime Minister.
0: You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Uh, you have to laugh, don't you, about
1: the outrage surrounding this This social visit that Steve Hansen is making to the Wallabies this week. The initial reporting was of a truly shock horror nature. Here is one of our best rugby coaches helping out the enemy. So here's a few things about the situation. We found out pretty quickly it was a fleeting, unpaid visit to the Wallabies camp, so no big deal. But frankly, the Aussies need an outside opinion, don't they? They haven't won a match all year. Their coach Eddie Jones is doing some pretty bizarre things like leaving out experienced players like Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper for this Rugby World Cup campaign. As they say, you cannot be a great cowboy if you don't have the cattle. You cannot be a great rugby coach if you don't have the great players. You could never say that Robbie Deans and Dave Rennie are not top rugby coaches. Look at what they did in Super Rugby in this country in years past. Both went to Australia and both failed. The problem is that the talent pool of oval ball players in Australia competing as rugby does with rugby league and AFL is just too shallow to have a consistently strong Wallaby team. The sport then needs help from New Zealand. If the game of rugby is to prosper worldwide, then there should be no mortgage on coaching ideas. New Zealand coaches as a cohort possess more intellectual property than coaches from any other country. That's why they're in such demand everywhere. Some, like Wayne Smith and Laurie Maines, don't want to share the love. Others, like Graham Henry and Alex Wiley, were happy to help out Argentina as coaches. Frankly, if Steve Hansen can make a difference in the space of a social visit to the Wallabies over a few days, then he's an even better coach than what we know he is already.
2: RCR is on a mission to revive Honest Media, and now you too can be an integral part of it by joining the RCR Foundation Members Club. Receive exclusive benefits only available to club members, including your own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind the scenes discussions, along with our all new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, that's delivered to your email box every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio members to see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. I wanna talk now about comedy.
1: Great comedy is great for society. For a start, it makes us laugh. And there's never anything wrong with laughing. But comedy also exposes and reflects the ridiculous in society. Quite often, it offends people. In fact, through the ages, much great comedy has been horrendously offensive. But so what? We are allowed to offend, aren't we? And also to be offended? There's nothing wrong with being offended. We just shouldn't worry about that offence for too long, it's bad for the brain There was comedy from half a century ago Which we laughed very loudly at back then uh, Which is regarded as grossly offensive today Remember Archie Bunker and his misogynist raving Calling his wife a dingbat Or his racist rants as he talked about Polacks and Wops We laughed at a man of the World War II generation Struggling to adapt to the changing world of the early 1970s Then there was Faulty Towers and the offence it caused by its references to Nazi Germany. But it was funny. Nowadays, it seems, comedy and humour is reduced to the tame and the pathetic. The Edinburgh Fringe Festival last week banned Graham Linehan, uh, the creator of Father Ted and Black Books, not because his comedy is offensive or unfunny, but because he holds anti-transgender views. Not allowed to laugh at a man who has an unapproved opinion, are we? And then just to show how tame, pathetic and blunt edge the Edinburgh Fringe Festival has become, they've released their top ten jokes of the festival. Here's a selection and you can weep now or afterwards. I quote, I thought I would start off with a joke about the Titanic, just to break the ice. Or... Last year I had a great joke about inflation, but it's hardly worth it now. And this was the winner. I started dating a zookeeper, but it turned out he was a cheater. I mean, dear me, that's comedy, really? The winning joke only works when it's written down. This lot actually come nowhere near being as good as my favourite joke of all time, which I think is really, really clever. It actually came from the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago. This is it What does an agnostic dyslexic insomniac do? Uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and asks
0: Is there a dog? Our text machine is now live Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057 That's 2057 So get in touch with us now
1: This has been the Peter Williams Afternoon Show here on Reality Check Radio for this Wednesday. Thank you for your company. If you'd like to get in touch, inbox at realitycheck.radio. My text is 2057. Or you can comment on our Facebook page. Just search for Reality Check Radio. I look forward
0: to talking with you again on Friday. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts, 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
2: Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio members and join now.